Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Aaron freaking Charles Rogers. Because he and the Packers did not just beat the Bears in Chicago yesterday. Rogers snatched their soul yet again and showed it to them once again. Because despite what you may be seeing and thinking during the Matt Nagy era, the Chicago Bears are, in fact, a proud organization. They are, in fact, a proud fan base. And Aaron Rodgers did, in fact, humiliate them all over again. Rodgers snaps it quick. Pressure coming. Scrambles to his right. Pumps and runs. Aaron Rodgers is inside the pylon. Touchdown, Packers. It's Rodgers running for the score. He had some choice words there for the crowd. Some absolutely amazing audio. So if you've not seen that, he scrambled for the touch, threw on the belt, and then told the Bears fan how it was. All of them. Quote, I've owned you all my bleeping life. I own you. I still own you. I still own you. He had some choice words there for the crowd. Minus what sounded like an F-bomb. And that's the guy that so many of you are coming so hard for after week one saying, yeah, he just doesn't care anymore. Lost the fire. Just doesn't care. Hey, listen, if you're a Bears fan, you don't have to like that. And I'm sure you don't. But you have to acknowledge it. Nod your head and admit that he's right. He does own you. And it's not just because he's 22-5 and five against your team. It's because of all that beachfront real estate in your head that he owns. I'm talking front row. Front row on the beach. Green Bay Chicago is supposed to be one of the great rivalries in all of sports. Yet he's turned it into a twice-a-year ass-kicking. And obviously, it is getting to the fans because, as Aaron himself said, he was just minding his own business when he was provoked. I looked up in the stands, and in the front row, all I saw was a woman giving me the double bird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what came out of my mouth next. That is so good. It's classic. Just a diehard Bears fan going double guns on Aaron Rodgers as he hits her and the rest of the fan base with the belt. Double guns, getting smashed by the discount double check. And if that were the only action from the league yesterday, it would have been a pretty solid Sunday. But it wasn't. That was just one part of it because as great as Rodgers owning the Bears and the fan base was, why don't we take a moment for Brian Flores? Now you ask me, for whatever it's worth, I think Brian Flores is a good head coach. I do. A good head coach who just happened to have a really bad thing happen to him. And that bad thing is losing to Urban Meyer. No head coach had lost to Urban Meyer this season. And nobody wanted to be the first. And Brian Flores just made history. Not only was he the first NFL head coach to lose to Urban Meyer, his team was the first to let Meyer's crew get more than 21 points. And it happened right here. Cook puts it down. Wright kicks it up. The 53-yarder is good, good, good. Wright has made it. The Jaguars have won it on a 53-yard field goal by Matthew Wright. What a magnificent ending in London. Holy cow. Wow. 
Jags radio, I guess. Hey, Miami didn't just lose to the Jags. They lost to the Jags, who had a software engineer as a kicker. Look, I know that Miami was without two of its starting cornerbacks, but still, that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a mark. Once you lose to these Jags, that's not a bell that you can unring. Not only lose to Herb and the Jags, which is unforgivable, but had to go all the way to London to do it, which is adding even more salt to that wound. The ultimate indignity. Not only losing to Herb and the Jags, but having to fly halfway around the world to do it. Man, that is a bad, bad, bad loss. And a bad, bad, bad look. And something that is going to stick to you forever. Good luck shaking that. Anybody who had anything to do with that loss is going to have that stick to them forever. Now that game in London was just the start of another wild NFL weekend. The Vikings, as an example, followed that up with this ending. Cousins shotgun looking to the left. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fade to the end zone for KJ. Caught and touchdown! And the Minnesota Vikings have walked off on the Carolina Panthers. Kirk Cousins to KJ Osborne. And the Vikings beat Carolina 34-28. Let's go, Kirk. Let's go, KJ. Cousins playing lights out. You might not want to admit it. You might not want to give him the credit that he's rightfully earned, but he is playing lights out. Then you get the Cowboys and the Pats, and things get even nuttier. There was this from Trayvon Diggs with just over two minutes to go. Second and 15, Jones fires it over the middle, and there's Diggs with the deflected interception left sideline. 10-5. Of course it's Diggs. Why, of course it's Ty Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Why, of course it's Trayvon Diggs. Cowboys Radio, thanks for that clip. All this guy does is make plays. All this dude does is make plays, huge plays, and lots of him. That was his seventh pick of the season and second house call. Not a bad six-game run to start the year, right? Not bad at all. I would say that the league ought to stop throwing in his direction, but Mac Jones went right back at him on the very next play, and it worked. Jones Got fires it. down the middle for Bourne, makes the catch, yeah. goodbye! 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, touchdown! Patriots! Holy crap! What a throw! And a massive touchdown to take the lead with 211 left. Way to go, Mac Jones! Way to put it behind you! 75 yards. Not a pea shooter. Nah. Cowboys, though, able to force OT. Then they win it in OT. Roll it. C.D. Lamb has caught eight balls for 114 and a touchdown. Play fake. Boot to the right. Looking down the field. Lamb. 10-5. Victory. Cowboys win. The Ghosts are exorcised. You know what? Now would be a very good time for anybody who said that Dak Prescott was nothing more than a game manager to step forward and own that terrible take. It was stupid at the time, and it's even more foolish right now. This guy just went into Foxborough, and he put up 445 passing yards on Bill and Steve Belichick. They packed the box. They dared Dak to beat them, and he did, like a drum. He nearly went for half a thousand. That's the most passing yards a Bill Belichick defense has ever allowed. 
I'm going to uh, go ahead and assume, too, that that's the most passing yards a Steve Belichick defense has ever allowed. I haven't seen a father-son act more embarrassing since William League Jr. and William League III attacked that first base coach. And there was still more overtime action because of all that insanity at the end of the Seahawks-Steelers game. Check out this play and do me a favor. Let me know exactly what happened here. In front of Smith. They bring five. Smith throws sideline. It's caught by Metcalf, who lost the football. And it's recovered by Swain. That's Inbounds with a clock running and no timeouts. And they scramble to kill it. Down to three and two. They line up with one. All right, so first off, I guess pretty easy for me to say sitting here in this studio, as pristine as it is, the hell was DK Metcalf doing on that play? Why try to get extra yards there? Get out of bounds, get the kick, avoid the drama. Instead, he's fighting for more yardage, he fumbles, Freddie Swain dives on it, is confirmed to be down, and then sprints to the middle of the field so that Geno Smith can spike it. Brain-dead play by Metcalf, heads-up play by Swain. But, for some reason, the officials wanted to review that. Mike Tomlin was not happy about that. If you saw the game, you saw him carpet-bombing the officials with F-bombs. I get it, because it really wasn't clear exactly what they were trying to review. Seattle hits the kick to send that game into OT. And then you have the coin toss. And for some reason, Russell Wilson was out there for the coin toss despite the fact that he's not on the roster. I mean, whatever. Not a huge deal. A little weird. A little strange. But you know what's really strange? What's really strange is the fact that we're in the middle of October, and the Seahawks and the Steelers were sub-500, and both teams desperately needed that win. They both needed it in the absolute worst way. And the guy who got it for Pittsburgh was none other than T.J. Watt. There was this on Seattle's first drive in OT. Four, Steelers bringing five. In trouble, Watts brings him down. NBC, thank you for that. That was enormous in and of itself. Made sure Seattle was well out of field goal range. But then he came right back on the next drive with an even bigger sack. Geno Smith will drop deep. He'll pump. He'll take it. Lost the football. Knocked out by one. Recovered by Devin Bush, who circles the right way. He almost lost the ball. But he's got it at the 16. And the Smith fumble forced by the defensive star, T.J. Watt. So if you're still wondering if T.J. Watt really is one of the best players in the NFL, last night answered that question. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments, and that was all of the above. Pittsburgh gets the win. They get to 3-3 three and three going into their bye. But if you think that that made Mike Tomlin feel better about things, think again. I hated it. I just – I hated it. Uh, I cannot believe that game – was stopped a confirmed catch, no catch in that moment. That's all I'm going to say. It was an embarrassment. There's a phrase to describe that kind of reaction. That phrase is straight fire. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back, watching live sports. It doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little action. 
personally, I've got my eye on Chicago at Tampa Bay for a Week 7 showdown. This is why I'm going to recommend downloading the WinBet app right now. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager. From straight bets to parlays, teasers, exotic proposition wagers, anything you can dream up. The app is so easy to use, and everybody knows that Win. Is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines. Join in on the action right now. Once again, you want to download the WinBet app right now on Google Play or the Apple App Store today and get yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. It was an embarrassment. Straight fire. I mean, that's coming from a guy who keeps things very close to the vest. That's coming from a guy who rarely, rarely will let it rip like that in public. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. And the same thing could be said about a lot of the officiating this season. And I hate to be that guy, but I'm becoming that guy because they leave me no choice. Like the refs. The refs are just keeping the standard the standard. The standard is the standard. Like, as an example, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, his standard is kicking the Bears while they're down, whoever they have a quarterback. He had some choice words there for the crowd. Bears fan, you just have to wear that. And hopefully, when Aaron is gone next year, and he will be, When he's gone next year, hopefully he goes to an AFC team, and then you can double bird Jordan Love all you want. Because Aaron Rodgers does own you. So I do that every single Monday. He is Will Brinson. Will, what's going on? How you doing? Jim, what's going on, man? I I tell you what, Dita Vea, by the way, might be... Like if I was if I was drafting guys I most don't want to be tackled by, he he's in consideration for the first overall pick. That dude is a man child. Dude, I've never seen anything like it. Honestly, I've never seen a guy that big. Well, let me just stop right there. I've never seen a guy that big. But then I've never seen a guy <laughs> that big, that athletic, that nimble. He he is something else. So you and I are in agreement. Why don't we start with the Arizona Cardinals, Will? What do you make of the way they showed up yesterday in Cleveland without their head coach and without multiple other key figures? Yeah, really impressive. I, I thought I had Cleveland down as one of my favorite bets of the day. That obviously was a, a very poor decision, along with many poor decisions uh, from yesterday's slate uh, that kind of got flipped. They saw the favorites covering. But, you know, Cleveland didn't have the two tackles. And I think the thing with Arizona that's fascinating is they, they're more balanced than anyone would have guessed, just in terms of their defense being a lot better than people expected. J.J. Watt's been awesome for them. And offensively, they are not the Kyler Murray drop back, run around, make something happen with his leg show. I, I, I was told this on the podcast. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing it out now. But he, he doesn't have a single game with rushing. or He hasn't rushed for more than 40 yards in a game yet because he's, he's winning from the pocket. That's so key to this Cardinals team that they're not, you know, this sort of, um, you know, haphazard, slap it together, let Kyler try to make something you know, go with his legs. They're a functional offense that's evolved in a big way this year. The defense has rapidly improved. They have balance on, on the offensive side. And, you know, 6-0, and 
I don't know that they're a, a team that I would pick right now to win the Super Bowl or to even go to the Super Bowl, but they're going to get in the playoffs, and if you get in the dance, you got a shot. Hey, clones, what do we want when we are craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars or sugary snacks, not even energy drinks, no. You know what we want? Beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Look for it in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? We're talking to Will Brinson. So, Will, my takeaway from what you just said is that you got your ass kicked gambling yesterday. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair statement, too. Um, <laughs> hey, my man. Dude, is, how, how hard is it, by the way? I mean, if it weren't hard enough as it is, and I don't want to be the guy who comes on here and is just crying about the officiating, the officiating is not making it any easier, I can tell you that. But how hard is it right now to play those games? It is impossible. I mean, you know, you, you, you also have these situations where, you know, let's go back to Thursday night, right? I mean, the Eagles are down 14. Tampa Bay's been beating the snot out of them all, all game long. Tom Brady looks awesome. The Bucks are clearly going to cover. And then, you know, you got uh, old Nick Sirianni going for two, down, you know, down eight. You know, he gets down 14, scores a touchdown, goes for two, and they back door it. I mean, these NFL games, the, the margins are so crazy close. And – they're just the the sports books just have it fine tuned. There's there's just no there's no real edge. But I mean, like we're gonna stop gambling on professional football, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You nailed that exact, especially on Thursday night. And what, one more thing. Well, I didn't bring you on to talk about this, but the other thing is too. What we don't need are really smart players doing really smart things that benefit their teams, like sliding before the goal line to keep <laughs> right. the clock spinning, to keep the ball out of the other guy's hands. That are keeping the money out of our hands. Am I right about? that yeah we're like what was it last year when uh nick chubb is sprinting down the sidelines to uh to cover for the browns and he gets down the three yard line and just falls down the ground you like and it's just a heartbreaking gambling moment I mean, that's, I mean, that's why it's gambling though right i mean you know, same thing with uh with any sport you know whether you're at the races when you're doing a scratch-off ticket you're gambling you know and there's there's going to be weird stuff that happens and weird results uh, the NFL is is the weirdest of all. Though. It you is. See Sunday Night Football for any for any further explanation. We are talking to Will Brinson. I appreciate your thoughts on that. So, what about the Browns? They were banged up going into yesterday's game. Then Baker Mayfield suffers another injury that he played through. Kareem Hunt is not going to be out for a few weeks. How, are you concerned about them as a team, or are you just concerned about their health? Yeah, I was I was talking about this earlier, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it on our podcast last night, but. It's, it's, so the Browns have three losses, and they're not necessarily bad losses, right? I mean, they, you know, they lost to the Chiefs in, in week one. You get, you get kicked around by the Cardinals yesterday. That, that was ugly, but everybody's, their injury list was crazy. And then, you know, you had that wild loss last week to the, the Chargers. So, I mean, those are three good teams that you've lost to. But the problem for me, Jim, with Cleveland is that, you know, before, before the season starts, there's a, you know, you could have a really good football team with a deep roster and a lot of talent, veteran leadership, good coaching, smart front office, depth. 
you have all those things. And I think Cleveland has all of those things. And there's still a pathway for your team not to be good. And that pathway, or to miss the playoffs, maybe. That pathway for the Browns would be tons of injuries on the offensive line, check. Tons of injuries to the running back, check. Uh, you know, Baker not taking a leap forward slash being injured, check. Um, tough schedule, check. And, and then you have a couple other teams, like the Bengals look a little bit better. The Chargers have that tiebreaker over the Browns now. You can have you know, a couple other AFC teams rise up, and suddenly Cleveland had this, has this good team with an easy path to the playoffs, and it just becomes completely murky just because, of, because football's random and hard. And, and it, I'm a little worried about the Browns right now, but the schedule does get easier for Cleveland uh, starting Thursday night against the Broncos. Hey, let's not alone this. Nobody's hyped uh, America's team any harder than I have the last few years, but I don't think anything that you said is unfair. I think that's all legit. That doesn't mean that it can't still happen. That doesn't mean that their season's over, but it does mean there's some very serious challenges ahead. Now, why don't we go, Will, to the Seattle-Pittsburgh game. What did you make of the review at the end of regulation and then a Mike Tomlin's reaction to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a, I, I don't, I don't know sure if I even realized this. You can't apparently go to the review they can't blow the play dead until the team is lined up somebody was saying that which you know, the nfl has a bunch of quirky dumb rules they they need to revisit um i think what happened in terms of seattle being get you know getting getting the ball up face way really smart you know get the ball back to the line of scrimmage you get that spike down and even if it was blown dead before the spike happened i think the way that things played out at the end there it it even Mike Tomlin would probably agree that the, the general spirit of what happened, you would give Seattle a kick in that spot. And, and the review ends up doing that. DK Metcalf's the, the problem. Just get out of bounds, my man. I know you can truck stick anybody, but don't be a hero here. Get out of bounds and get your team a field goal. Uh, I, I thought Tomlin was properly enraged in the same way that I would have been if I was in his spot. But I do think that ultimately they got it, you know, quote unquote, right in terms of how it played out at the end. Right. We're talking to Will Brinson. Then T.J. Watt takes over in overtime and starts doing T.J. Watt-type things. What about the Seahawks, though? They did storm back in the second half, but with that loss, and I made the same point that you made that a lot of us made about Metcalf, like, big, strong dude. Like, get the hell out of bounds. Like, what are you doing fighting for that yardage? Get out of bounds, kick the ball. What about Seattle, though? Now they're four games back of Arizona in the division. Russ is not playing. Is their season effectively over already? It, it, uh, it, it's what's the line from the Avengers. It's, it's getting late quick, big guy. Uh, you know, that's, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know if I misquoted it, but the, the point being is, yeah, this is, this is getting a little dicey for the Seahawks, especially when you consider, uh, what, what's happening with their schedule. Back to back primetime games with Geno Smith. They play the, uh, the Saints at home on, on Monday night, just as the schedule makers threw it up, Jim. They, you know, they're thinking all along, uh, Geno and Jameis. On Monday, October 25th, that's what we were dying for. They get the Jaguars on Halloween. Nothing could go wrong there in Seattle. Uh, and then they have the Packers, Cardinals, Washington, 49ers. I mean, this, this is a meaty portion of their schedule that they're trying to navigate with a very questionable defense that has, you know, they, they paid a lot for Jamal Adams, and that is as good as Prez may be. I, I don't think that they're getting their bang for the buck on that one. Uh, and, you know, they're trotting out Alex Collins. I mean, this is like 2015 or something, 2017 maybe. Devontae Freeman, Lat Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Alex Collins are all scoring rushing touchdowns. What a, what a, what a world we live in. Uh, I just don't know that the Seahawks have enough in the tank to make a run here unless Russ is able to come back in the absolute bare minimum time frame. Geno just ain't it, and that's no knock on 
you know, Seattle death. You're just your your quarterback and your franchise quarterback hurt his hand, and it's just a dogfight to get him back. Right. Will Brinson joining me for a few more moments. I'm going to pick my spots here. Will. So Dallas is kind of interesting in the sense that they're five and one, and they're in cruise control in the NFC East. But at the same time, Mike McCarthy is still their head coach. Mike McCarthy is still making some really weird calls in pressure situations. How much would that worry you for later in the season and in the playoffs? Oh, Jim, we, I mean, we can, we, can, we can sit down with the, uh, the Hollywood screenwriters and map this out right now if we want. I mean, it's, this is, by the way, the last time Dallas was 5-1, and one, I believe they actually lost to Mike McCarthy in the playoffs uh, with that Aaron Rodgers and Jared Cook throw on the sideline. The, the Cowboys are going to win the division easily. They're going to end up at like 13 and four or 14 and three or whatever these new records are. They're going to uh, run over somebody with a questionable defense in the first round of the playoffs. And then they're going to play a good team like the Bucks or the Rams or pick your, your NFC team, the Cardinals maybe. And Mike McCarthy is going to make a boneheaded, conservative, late game decision that's going to cost them a chance to go to the NFC title game. That's just how it's going to play out. It's been foretold and we can just fast forward to January. I think you're right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and assume that for sure. Will Brinson joining <laughs> us. All right, so let me ask you about the Patriots. They've been applauded for their efforts in their losses to Dallas and Tampa Bay, but they are 2-4. and four. Where are they in your mind right now as a team? I don't, I don't think they're, they're very good. And, you know, Belichick, look, the, the, I was, Hey, Will, hey Will I was which, Bel- which Belichick? The, <laughs> the, the important <laughs> one or Steve. Bill? Yeah, that's right. Steve. Oh, Steve found out that he went viral too. And I, I would. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to assume anything. But I would guess that the Patriots asked uh, our, our colleagues in the uh, run of the cameras and, and the broadcast not to zoom in on him seventy times while uh, while Dallas is running up and down the field. That's the most yardage the Bill Belichick has ever given up in a game, regular season or playoffs, right. against the Cowboys. I mean, that's that's a at home, right? As a and look, they they are. They're sort of trying to piece it together and figure it out and, and, and make and find some wins, like just a scrap and call for wins. And the difference, Jim, is that, and this is what we're learning as we watch the 5-1 Buccaneers just keep winning games, Tom Brady is probably in the history of professional football and maybe even sports the single greatest elevator of talent around him that we've ever seen. He did it with the, for I mean, they went to the freaking AFC Championship game with Rache Cal, Caldwell, their top wide receiver in 2006, right? And now he's taking this good Bucks roster that was a seven and nine team with Jameis Winston and turning them into a juggernaut. And the Patriots, meanwhile, are you know they're they're scrapping and they're fighting and they're calling in these games, but they don't have that one factor, Tom Brady, to put him over the top because he just made a difference in these big moments in these big games. And I think. I mean, I'm not saying that Bill Belichick can't get it done in New England without Tom Brady, but, I mean, you know, there's something missing, and it feels like a very obvious piece. Now, Will, what you just said is fair, and I know it was not your intention, but you have no idea how many tweets and emails regarding Rache Caldwell that you just got me. My audience is fascinated <laughs> with all things Rache Caldwell, and for all the wrong reasons, by the way. I'm not saying, I'm not judging the guy in any way. I'm just saying that my, my audience is fascinated by and for oh, all the I wrong think, reasons. I picked my receiver. I picked my receiver on purpose, Jim. Yeah, no, I know. I get that. I get that. So, really quickly, before you go, well, what about like the Giants? Is in fact, is Joe Judge coaching for his job right now? And I bring this up because they have not won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl. What exactly has happened to that organization? One of the crown jewels of the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest, the, you know, the biggest 
practice of malpractice yesterday for the Giants wasn't, you know, you know, it, honoring that, that championship team as you get just blitzkrieg by the Rams. Like, I mean, what, what, schedule homecoming when Alabama comes to town, Stanford. Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> try to find a winnable game if you're going to honor that Super Bowl team. And the, but the biggest piece of malpractice was Danny Dimes in that game with him down 31-3. to Right. Getting absolutely hammered a week after he was carted off with a concussion, not like ruled out with a concussion, carted off with a concussion. That was crazy by Joe Judge. You've got my boy Mike Glennon right there. Put him in. It's garbage time. Keep Daniel Jones healthy. I have a hard time seeing, Jim, a pathway for both Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge to survive what's going on with New York. And uh, it may may not even be a pathway for one of them to, to make it out of here if this team doesn't start winning some games fast. Yeah, I... I kind of have an idea what Joe would say if you asked him that, but for the life of me, given given how badly he got rattled the previous week, and again, I'm not privy to medical reports, but why would you even risk that? What, what the hell was that guy doing out there on the field like, late taking additional punishment when we saw how bad it was a week before? I mean, even if it's not for a let's protect our franchise quarterback purposes, how about general health and safety of the young dude who's getting bruised and battered by Aaron Donald purposes? I mean, right. When, when, when this is a primary consideration for the league, right? Make, make yeah. the league safer. Protect your players. So it's very counterintuitive for sure. He is a CBS senior writer for CBS Sports, a friend of the program, host of the Pick 6 podcast. And every time he comes in here, he does exactly what he just did. Man, he owned that stage. Nice job. We'll appreciate you. Thanks so much. Always fun, Jim. Have a great Monday, man. All right, I got to talk to you for a minute about my X chair. From the first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, ah, this is nice. This is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. Like, I never actually look forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. True story. Let me ask you, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking high performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair and now I can't wait to be at work. Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself risk free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never ever want to go back. I know this. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter X chair, R O M E.com, or call 1 844 4 X chair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. All right, so remember when everybody was all hyped up on the New York Giants coming into this season? Remember when year two under Joe Judge was supposed to be huge? Remember when this was going to be a breakout season for Daniel Jones? I do. Because to me, that was pretty laughable at the time. And now it's hilarious right now. After they just got blown out for the second straight week. And now they're being booed repeatedly at home. The Rams didn't just score. Or didn't score in the first quarter. But then they put up 28 on them in the third quarter. Daniel Jones went out there and threw three more picks. Yeah, no, shocking. And a lost fumble. Four more turnovers for this guy. Now, I'm not even sure. I'm no doctor, but I'm not even sure that he should have been out there. 
not because of the concussion last week. I mean, yeah, in part. But just because he's just not that good. I'm not sure either about the head coach. Because this is how Joe Judge explained his approach at halftime when his team was down 28-3 to at home. I challenge the guys at halftime. I want to see who's going to finish the game. I want to see what kind of fight some of these guys had. So we'll go through the tape. But there are some guys I could see with the eye test right away. There are some guys that fought and finished right there. And that's how we're going to do things around here. So we're going to compete for 60. Man, how tired is that getting? How tired is that already? First of all, competing for 60 minutes is the job. That's not accomplishment. That is your baseline expectation, or at least it should be. So absolutely no credit for actually trying the entire game. I mean, what's next? A participation trophy? You shouldn't be saying that like that's some kind of amazing achievement. And secondly, nearly a year and a half into this thing with this team, how is that still a thing? Hey, coach, did you happen to see that touchdown, by the way, that your guys allowed in the third quarter? Because I did, and it sure seemed to me like a few guys in white were making business decisions. Has the snap, play fakes, throws off his back foot, crossing the field, left side, it's Cooper Cup at the 10, to the 5, to the pylon, touchdown Cooper Cup, touchdown LA! Early in this fourth quarter, Cooper Cup to the end zone for the second time. In week six, it's a blowout in the Meadowlands. Okay, that was nasty. Rams radio. I mean, that looked like some guys who heard that speech about not quitting and then just decided, nah, now we're good. Let's go ahead and quit. Oh, and as long as we're talking about awesome attitudes from the Giants, man, check this out from Leonard Williams regarding the booze at home. I mean, they do bother me, honestly. Uh, you know, I've, obviously we're in our own home stadium. I don't want to be hearing booze from our own fans. Um, I understand that they have a right to, you know, be upset as well because they're coming to see us put, you know, good football on the field. And, uh, you know, we haven't been winning up to date. And, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't like that. I mean, I don't think anyone deserves to be put down no matter who you are, you know. I'm not going to go to a salesman and tell him that he's not a good person or boo this person because he's not doing his job or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, Leonard, with respect, there's so many things wrong with that take and nothing right. This whole, I don't come to your job and boo you. I mean, are guys really still saying that? With respect, big fella, your team's one in five. You've gotten your asses kicked in back-to-back weeks. You guys deserved to get booed. And saying that you don't is going to go over horribly in that town. Nobody's saying you're bad people. They're just saying you're a bad football team. And they're right. You and your crew are horrible. They're truly unwatchable. Yeah, I know it sucks to be booed. But you can't complain about that. Not when you're dead last in your division. You're lucky that they're booing you and not laughing at you. I'm not sure what look is worse, starting one in five or saying that you do not deserve to be booed at one in five. So just to recap, the team is one in five. They're getting booed at home. They have a player complaining about being booed. The head coach is trying to make sure that nobody quit. So yeah, I'd say things are going pretty horrible for the Giants. 
but I'm not all about the negative. I'm actually all about the positive. So let me give you some positive. The Cincinnati Bengals are 4-2. and two. I repeat, the Cincinnati Bengals are 4-2. and two. Not only 4-2, and two, but their two losses are by a total of six points. They're this close to being 6-0. and oh. And this is something I have not been able to say in a long, long time. The Cincinnati Bengals are not just contending for a playoff spot. They are contending to do some damage once they get there. And yes, I know they just beat the Lions. And I know the Lions are not good. But here's the thing. The Bengals weren't very good yesterday either. And they still managed to put up 34 and win by 23 on the road in a game where they did not play especially well. That's not me talking. That's their franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow. It's the NFL. I'm never going to be upset about a 34-point game and you're winning by as much as we did. But we do have to get some things corrected. And when we do that, it's going to be scary. Man, this dude, he is too much, right? Can't, could not be more impressed with the way this guy carries himself. I'm not, not at all surprised based on what we saw from him in college, based on the way he's come back from that injury. But, man, that dude just does not sound like a second-year player. I mean, that is the truth followed by the truth. It's been a long time since the Bengals had this kind of potential. And when they do put it all together, this team is going to be very scary. But that's the thing about football, right? It's not just about having talent. It's about putting it all together. And sometimes it never quite comes together. Some teams are, quote, almost there for a really long time. Some teams never reach that next level. But I'll tell you a team you can't say that about. The Arizona Cardinals. I know they won't say it, but I will. They have reached the next level. They're not going to be happy or satisfied until they get in the Super Bowl. And yeah, I said that too. These guys are legit. I've been trying to tell you this about that team for a long time now. And some of you just have not wanted to hear it. And to that I say, you're welcome. Because I've been telling you this for a long time. I've been saying, there's still room on that bandwagon. Get on the Cardinals bandwagon. But some of you did not believe. Some of you wanted more proof. So they gave it to you. They went into Cleveland and they punched America's team right in the face. And they did it over and over and over again. And they did it without their head coach. And they did it without multiple players. You cannot fluke your way to 6-0. and So let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness, and there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps? Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, discreet packaging and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. But here's something you got to keep in mind. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome. And get your first month free, keeps.com slash Rome. Christian Kirk is my guest. 
Christian, it's been a minute or so, but good to have you back. How are you? Doing good, Jim. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, man. Appreciate it so much. So before we go into or get into the fact that you are undefeated and you've beaten one good team after another, can you go back a little bit? What was your reaction when you found out that you would be without head coach Cliff Kingsbury, quarterbacks coach Cam Turner, and multiple players for this game due to positive COVID tests? Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we were uh, a little bit on edge early in the week. Uh, obviously, we had lost Chandler Jones, and, uh, you know, we knew anytime somebody is a, is a positive, you know, there's a chance that there could be, you know, multiple. So, you know, later in the week when um, Cam Turner and, and uh, Coach Kingsbury uh, both got, you know, popped for a positive COVID test, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it's a little bit shocking. We didn't expect it to be our head coach, but uh, it was just one of those things where, you know, we just had to quickly uh, look to uh, other guys to, to step up, you know, staff included, uh, which everybody did a great job, you know, on Sunday, obviously. And uh, we were able to, to band together and, and put together a great win. You guys certainly did. Christian Kirk is joining us. All right, so you scored on third and 21 on the opening drive. You had already had a third down reception that picked up a first down. Take me through the touchdown play. What did you see on that play and how did that develop? Yeah, you know, it's just a, a general scissors route concept that, that we had ran and we, we had seen we could, uh, you know, take advantage of in the red zone, especially the high red uh, against them. Uh, Rondell did a great job, you know, kind of clearing it out and uh, giving me opportunity to beat the nickel uh, that was trying to, to carry me. And so uh, Kyler made a great throw, stepping up in the pocket and uh, just put it somewhere where I could go get it. Christian Kirk is joining us. I am curious about this, though. How do you explain your ability to make that catch and stay in bounds? Like, the level of body control, is that a natural gift, or is that something you work on? Uh, that's something that we practice, um, you know, especially anything that's on the sideline. Um, you know, Coach Jefferson has us, you know, each and every day working on, you know, being able to get two feet down and, you know, making those catches. Uh, you know, it's a, a little bit more more tough just because, you know, Kyler's on the run and, you know, the ball's kind of floating a little bit. Um, but it's just one of those things where, you know, we have to make those plays, you know, especially for our quarterback. Christian Kirk is joining us. What do you mean by that, especially for your quarterback? Because he's a different dude because of what he brings to it? Yeah, you know, and you know when he's extending plays like that, you know, that's that's what we got to do. We're supposed to we, – we have to have to get open and we have to uh, make sure our level of intensity and, and sense of urgency – uh, you know, rises uh, just because he's trying to extend the play. You know, either he's under duress or some type of pressure. Uh, you know, and that's like I said, that's our job to to you know get open and make those plays for him. Uh, that's well said. Christian Kirk is joining us. So you're six and zero. You've beaten some really good teams in the process. Uh, I don't think you get to six zero without having talent or a lot of talent. But how much of this success early on is about mental and physical toughness? as a result of what the team is doing right now. How much of it is go, goes to that specifically? I think a lot of it. Uh, I think the majority of it is mental. I think it's the confidence of going in every Sunday and believing that, you know, if we can band together, that, you know, we'll, we'll win. We can win every game. We are capable of it just because of the type of talent that we have and the type of guys that we have on this team, especially with the, you know, the, the veteran leadership. Uh, you know, if we put all three phases together, we're hard to beat. Christian Kirk's my guest. You know, back in the summer, you were making the point that, quote, it's now or never for the team, which I really respect. I love that attitude. What led you to make that statement at that time? And then what do you make of the way everybody has shown up since then? Sorry, could you repeat that one more time? It kind of broke out. Yeah, you were talking about earlier in the summer that it's, quote, now or never for the team. 
I really like that attitude. I really appreciate that attitude myself. What led you to say that at that time? Uh, you know, I just believe because of the offseason moves that have been made, that I, I, I think that it's just one of those things to where, uh, you know, we've been through a lot. You know, it's our third year, you know, under, under you know, Coach Kingsbury, third year with Kyler, you know, at the helm. And so it's just, uh, you know, we have all the pieces to put it together and we have all the pieces to, to, to you know, take this season, you know, where we want to go. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I, I made that statement. Um, and we all know, you know, the opportunity at hand. And uh, like I said, we're confident in, in the personnel that we got and the guys that can help lead this way. All right, so really, I want to ask you about your mindset in one second, but I'm curious, when you look at that receiver room, I mean, you're there, and you've got lots of guys who can make plays. A.J. Green is there. Obviously, Rondell Moore's got some receptions, too. DeAndre. Like, when you have that many guys, it would seem to me that guys might get a little put off or maybe want their touches or it might be an issue, but from the outside looking in, it looks like you have amazing chemistry. How is it that this group can function like that brotherhood and then develop that chemistry? What's it like? We have no egos in our room. And I think, you know, with, with DeAndre and AJ leading the way with their veteran presence and how long they've been in the league and what they've done, uh, you know, they just want to win. You know, the most important thing uh, to them right now is winning. And it goes for, you know, Rondell and I as well. Uh, and, and when you have guys like them who have had all the accolades, had the all pros, the Pro Bowls, and, you know, what is most important to them, though, overall is just winning. Uh, you know, that, that mindset reciprocates throughout the room. And, you know, that's just our, our, our end goal. And, you know, if we all have, you know, 50 yards or we all have 20 yards, we all have 100 yards, you know, no matter what, if, if we walk out of there with a W, uh, nobody's complaining. Mindset's the key. I love something else you said. For instance, you're on pace for career highs pretty much across the board. You did say earlier this season, Christian, quote, I think mentally I'm probably in the best place I've been since I've been here. And to quote, that really interests me a lot. Like, how would you describe where you are mentally? And then how did you get to that spot? You know, I think, uh, you know, my first three years in the NFL, I, I had to deal with a lot of adversity, dealing with some injuries. Uh, you know, obviously, our records weren't the best. And there's just a lot of things that uh, I had to learn that, you know, I can't, I simply can't control. Uh, only thing I can control is, you know, my work ethic and, you know, how I approach it each and every day. And, you know, I think this season, you know, I kind of just forgot about everything that I can't control and stop worrying about, you know, all the other variables that, you know, could go into, you know, us making the Super Bowl or me having a great season and just focus on being the best, you know, player that I can be, you know, day in and day out and, you know, making, you know, all the opportunities that, that come my way. And so, uh, you know, once once I was able to, to realize that and access that, it just, you know, brought a lot more comfort and confidence, you know, within my game. God, it's such a good answer. I'll tell you why I like that so much. I mean, who does that not apply to? Certainly in what you do, because I think I think the business of the NFL is so much more taxing and difficult than the average fan would know. But I think you're really speaking to everybody, right? What you're saying is, I got to quiet the noise. I have to eliminate the distractions. I have to do everything I can to be the best version of myself every single day and put myself in a position where I can achieve and help those around me win as well. Is that essentially not what you're telling me? No, it's that's that's a hundred percent, you know, what it is. And you know, I think negativity is something that uh is around us every day. Uh and I think it's something that's that we see a lot much more now we're we're exposed to, especially with social media. Everybody has a, an, an opinion and unfortunately nowadays it's it's you know, more times than not negative 
And so, you know, if you give, if you pay attention and give energy to, to things that, you know, other people's opinions that may not matter, you know, if they are negative, uh, you know, that, that can kind of wear on you. So, you know, the more that you just focus on yourself, focus on what you control and, you know, care less what other people's thoughts are of you, then, you know, the better you'll be. It's, it's such a good point. Once again, so like, how do you approach social media? On the one hand, it can be a really good thing, right? There are things about social media that are really, really good. And there are things about social media that are just absolute garbage and some of the worst stuff ever. So how do you use it and how do you approach it? I honestly just use it to, uh, you know, to build my brand and tell my story, engage with fans that, you know, respect me for who I am and, and support me. Uh, no matter what, but yeah, usually just to, to, to tell my story and, and to just, you know, show a thought of, you know, who I am, who I truly am and what I stand for. And so I believe that's, you know, the, the best way to use it. And, you know, for most athletes is just to, you know, be themselves and, and just kind of tell their story. Um, you know, I don't like going and, and looking and see what everybody's saying about us, you know, after games or even after a bad game. You know, I think that's where it gets a little detrimental, but, you know, in a case of, you know, just, just building your brand, you know, I think for athletes, that's the best way to use it. I like that. I get that, too. So, finally, the Super Bowl, like, I know far be it for me to ask any guy in the league to look beyond the next five minutes, but is it something that you and the guys ever talk about, or is it something that you don't ever talk about, everybody just knows? Uh, I think right now, it's for us, it's almost like the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, we we understand, you know, the potential, like I said, of, that this team has, uh, and, I, and I know that's in the back of everybody's mind, uh, but I don't think it's, it's wrong to talk about it um, because uh, I believe that, you know, if you have a goal and you have a vision, you, you set what it's exactly it's going to look like, uh, you know, you know what you got to do to get there. And so, you know, I think uh, it's, it's definitely been talked about, you know, amongst guys, you know, in the locker room or whatnot, but it hasn't been a topic, you know, in a, in a team meeting or, you know, amongst, uh, you know, the whole entire group. I think that's mindful. I think that's thoughtful. I think that's a really good conversation right there. A wide receiver with the Cardinals, as I mentioned, he is on pace to have career highs in many numbers across the board. They are 6-0. They've got the best record in the NFL, and they are hosting Houston on Sunday. Christian, like I said, it had been a minute or two. Great to have you back on. Really appreciate you and the conversation. Thanks so much for that. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Take care. Take care. Appreciate you. In a move that seems to me to be both shocking and then not surprising at all, Ed Orgeron is already done in the bayou. Like, Coach O, over, ousted, outro, gonzo. Or at least he will be very soon. LSU announced this weekend that he will finish out the season but will not be back next year. Yes, they did beat the Tigers on Florida or beat Florida on Saturday. No, that was not enough to save his gig. Like, that's a divorce that's coming less than two years after an undefeated national championship season. One of the greatest single seasons in the history of college football. Less than two years ago, my man was kissing the crystal ball. And now he's looking for a new job. I mean, he could have successfully run for governor like 10 minutes ago and won. Now he's being run out of the state. If everything went exactly right in 2019, everything has pretty much gone perfectly wrong since. And apparently that divorce could not come soon enough. This is what happens when you go from 15-0 and 0 to 9-8 and 8 in the two following seasons. You tend to wear out your welcome. You use up all your leash. And if reports 
are to be believed, my man wore out his welcome severely. And I don't mean just on the field. Sports Illustrated reported yesterday the school's decision to cut ties, quote, goes beyond on-field results. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't really know. I'm sure the stuff that I'm about to mention didn't help. But we all know that if you keep winning on the field, they will tend to look the other way on most things. However, there was an additional report in The Athletic saying that O, quote, lost track of who he was, end quote. Which is why it's pretty interesting to hear him use these specific words when meeting with the media about the end of an era yesterday. I'm going to take it one day at a time, but I'm always going to appreciate my time here. I have no regrets. Not one day. I was not going to have a bad day. I'm not going to blink. I'll tell you guys that. You know, the circumstances that we haven't won enough games in the last two years, I totally get it. So not a single regret. No regrets. And not a single bad day. You know, like I said earlier in the program, regrets get you nothing. They get you nowhere. Beating yourself up over things that have already happened that you cannot change usually does not accomplish very much at all. But in this case, I would imagine he should probably have a regret or two and definitely a bad day or two. I mean, there's got to be a couple of regrets, right? Like maybe just his general behavior towards women on campus. The Athletic reported yesterday that his pursuit of the ladies in the wake of a national championship became a, quote, distraction for the program. That's a really interesting report. If true, that would prove yet again that the still unbeaten, untied heavyweight champion of the history of the world is still sex. Sex with me. I mean, hasn't even lost on a single scorecard. Has never even lost a round. The undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champion of the history of the world is sex. And apparently my man was chasing. Like the time... According to the report, O pulled up to a woman at a gas station in Baton Rouge and hit her with the timeless classic, hey, you look like you work out. We could work out together, end quote. Like he said that to somebody at a gas station. Pretty smooth. I mean, when hasn't that line worked? Women love that, especially at the gas station. Except this particular woman responded with, I am married and I am pregnant. To which, according to the report, he replied, why does that matter? End of quote. Because, of course, he did. Because, of course, she was. Because she was also the wife of a high-ranking LSU official. Uh Uh-oh. So, it's unbelievably believable that he won the natty and immediately turned into that guy. Just went straight, cruised around campus, and hit on everything that moves, guy. Allegedly. Yeah, more like more like that or just kind of putzing around town, mumbling and growling, tr- terrible pickup lines that nobody can make out, guy. In other words, creep. I mean, people, people will allow a lot of things and even tolerate a lot of things when you're winning. But when you lose to UCLA and Kentucky, they ain't having it. I'm not saying it's ever okay to act like that because it's not. I'm saying that if he's doing his job and winning games, that bullcrap may not come to light. 
And then there's much worse than just that. There's much worse than him chasing it off campus and then allegedly bringing it back on campus. Not to mention he found himself caught up in allegations that he failed to report an alleged rape committed by a former running back, Darius Geis. I mean, all of it sounds really, really regrettable. And then the Athletic also details how much he struggled to lead the program in the wake of social demonstrations after the death of George Floyd this past summer. Even suggesting that his hands-off approach in that bigger-than-football moment caused him to lose the locker room. And then there were the smaller but still dumb incidents, like getting into it with random fans. For instance, when he yelled this at a UCLA fan before this year's opener. Hey, 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 bring your ass on. Bring your ass on, you little sissy blue shirt. I mean, that's just like unfortunate smack in and of itself on face value. Just, just bad. Why? But, I mean, it's not the kind of thing you ever want your head coach shouting at somebody. But especially when you go on to get your ass kicked all afternoon. Then it's wrong and embarrassing. Even more embarrassing was this relatively recent exchange, in fact, from just last week, where he seemed to threaten a random fan on his weekly radio program. Yeah, the fan was a prank calling the show, but Coach responded to the prank with a nuke. A familiar name I know. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, baby. Where you at? All yeah, right. now she is, uh, she is a little blonde-headed girl, so oh, try not to have sex with her and put it on. Come on, man. Oh, come on, man. Really? Wow. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> Kentucky, Coach. Mark Stoops, he's hey, been... Hey, 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 let me say something right there. You know, down the bayou, we got a nice little fishing hole for people like that. <laughs> let's, let's get back to football. You got to love the way the, the host, professional, he's like, all right, man, just let that go, Coach. Let's get back to football. Yeah, no, not before I threaten this guy. Then we can get back to football. Quote, we got a nice little fishing hole down here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think that he's threatened violence on that random call. Anyway, I would say there were plenty of regrettable moments, but the one thing Coach O for sure doesn't regret is that contract. The extension that he signed just last year, which is going to entitle him to a $17 million buyout. So if you're wondering what's next for him, I don't really know, but he's got cash to burn, and I bet my man's still hungry. I want to take a little time off. You know, I'm 60 years old, of course, for 37 years. Uh, I think I'm going to have enough money to buy me a hamburger, and uh, every once in a while, maybe a double meat cheeseburger. But I want to take a little time off to find out what direction I want to be in. It's not a bad idea at all, considering, quote, he lost direction. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure there's another major head coaching gig on the horizon after all that. My man, like, I don't know. Again, you don't want to wallow in it, but you just turned your dream job and the opportunity of a lifetime that you spent three decades plus working for into a flaming bayou tire fire. Maybe with some time and space and soul searching, you'll see exactly how regrettable it all was. Because if you think it's not, man, I got to say, you're, you're lying to yourself. You really just don't get it. Because that crash and burn there is one for the ages. You won a national championship 21 months ago. A native son coming back home. Now, if there is a silver lining 
Now you can go pick up on all the preggers you want and all the gas stations you want <laughs> and not have to worry about any scrutiny from boosters or ADs or random prank calls. And my man, you do have that championship ring. No one can take that away from you. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I'm pregnant and married. So? So? I beat Nick Saban. Oh, okay. Vita Vea is my guest. Vita, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Dude, it is so, so good to have you, truly. So let me ask you, when you beat Philadelphia on a Thursday, as a result, you earn a little extra time before the next game. I'm kind of curious, how do you approach that? I mean, do you get a little mini vacation? Do you unwind, relax a little bit, or do you stay on your grind and stay within your process? Um, it's sort of you kind of find, you gotta kind of find that happy medium. Um, you know, you get like a mini bye week. Um, they give us four days off, so... Um, you obviously got to stay in shape, but and you also got to take care of your body. So mainly during this time, just use this time to really um, get as much rest and recovery as you can, um, just to stay ready um, for the for the rest of the season. But you know, it's it's, it's kind of nice having those Thursday night games where you you get a little short break after, where you could uh you know just catch up on some sleep and. Um, you know, recover your body, um, and just have some time off, have have, have some time away from football where you can just, you know, hang out with your family and friends and, uh, you know, do whatever. I like that. I get that. Like part of you might want to go out there and kind of get after it a little bit, but it's just not worth it. Right. You got to take care of your mind, your body, family time, make the best use of the time. That makes sense to me. Now, to be honest, I'm just going to say this point blank. You're one of my favorite players to watch ever. And when you're on the field, I often do not watch the ball. I just find myself watching you because you do things that I've never seen before. And you do it all the time. Like, you're playing one of the toughest positions in all of sports. you got to battle for every single play. What's it like to play defensive tackle and to face double teams snap after snap after snap? Um, it's actually pretty fun. Um, you just, um, when you're getting doubled or if you're getting singled, most of the time you just, it's like a competition, like trying to figure out how I can beat it or how can I affect this next play. Um, I know I'm going to get doubled. What can I do to try to beat it? You know, what, um, so it's just like a matter of what, what, knowing what's coming your way. And trying to figure out how to beat it, like how can I beat this? Uh, there's certain plays where I know I'm going to get double team, uh, depending on where I'm lined up, and I just I think always think to myself, how am I, I going to beat this double team, or uh, how how can I affect this play? Um, it it can get frustrating at, at times, but you know you can't let you can't let that linger. You just got to keep playing, and you know. Um, just trying to figure out ways to beat it.
All right, so look, here, here's my biggest takeaway from that response. Like you said, it does get frustrating. How could it not, right? How could it not if you're always facing double teams? But when you first started to answer the question, you said it's actually kind of fun. I wanted to ask you about that. Part of the reason also that I like watching you play so much is you seem like you're always having a blast on the field. Like, how are you able to stay so positive, so upbeat? You're laughing, you're joking, you're dancing on the sideline. How do you maintain that kind of mindset when you are playing such a demanding physical position? Um, that's, it goes back to what I said. It's fun. Most of the time, I'm getting double team. I'm I'm laughing while I'm getting doubled. Um, it's just it's just fun for me. I'm um, going out there and just when I know somebody has to double team me, um, it, it just makes me laugh. That I that that happens, but it just also goes back to just having fun out there. If I'm not having fun, then you know why be out there? So. That's why that's why I always look like I'm having a blast, and I really am having a lot of fun. Um, just out there with my teammates, just you know, having a good time, making plays, and you know, just out there with everybody else working together. Dina Vea, my guest, I was going to say, in terms of that double team, too, before the season, like your D coordinator, Todd Bowles, said, quote, Vita, he not only eats up double teams, he beats double teams. Like, you tell me otherwise, it seems to me it might be easy to kind of adopt this mentality that, like, your job is to occupy multiple blockers and let other people make tackles, but you blow up blockers and you make the tackles yourself. So what is the mindset? I know you're having fun, and I know it's kind of a chess match to you, but you're not just out there occupying tackles. You're making plays. What's the mindset that's necessary to make the play or play the way you do play? It's really just just fundamentals and coaching. Um, you know, throughout the week when we're watching film, um, our, our coaches, our D-line coaches, just, you know, showing us plays that, could possibly happen to us, and that, and you know, we go through it and study it in, in the meeting room, watch the film, and then we go out there on the, on the practice field. We walk through it, and then we we run through it fast speed. So um, we kind of get a a view, we kind of get a take of what we're gonna get and how it should look on our side of the ball. So you know, with with all of that going on throughout the week, we get. Um, a good grasp of, you know, what's what we're getting and how we could defeat it since we've been, you know, working on it all week. So I think it just goes back to, um, you know, us working on it and our coaches doing a good job of um, showing us and teaching us um, how to beat it and what we're most likely going to get throughout right. the game. All right, so preparation breeds confidence. I still think there's something to be said about being somebody like you who's badass enough that you're laughing at two 325-pound guys who have to double you, and you're just shedding them. I think there's something to be said about that, too. Here's the thing, though. It's not ever without some adversity, right? You suffered that fractured ankle in week five last year. You worked like crazy to make it back 15 weeks later, and you said after the injury, quote, I was down and out that night, but I think that night I told myself, if you just push through this, push through rehab, you might have a chance. Like, how were you able? Did you just kind of allow yourself, you know, maybe just a few hours to kind of feel sorry for yourself and then throw the switch? How could you get leverage on yourself as quickly as you did to get back to work? Um... I think obviously with anybody you'd be anybody be sad about that moment. Um, you know, I think that that night football the the game of football is starting to slow down for me, so I think 
that was the biggest thing I was bummed out about because everything was falling in the right place for me, um, playing-wise out there on the field, and just preparation and studying. Finally, um, um, just started to collide together, and I think that that's what made me bummed out the most is that um, when when the injury did happen, I was like, dang. This was this was starting to become one of the, my best games so far in the NFL. But um, obviously, you know, it, it comes with the game. You know, the injuries happen. Um, and you never know when when they're going to come. You just, you know, you gotta. Sometimes you can play through them, or you know, sometimes you gotta suck it up. Well, but um, it was actually one of my teammates and Dominique Sue uh, on the bus on our bus ride to the airport. <laughs> Um, we sat next to each other on the bus and he told me, he's the one who put the idea in my head and told me, he was like, you get a, he's like, you know, you can make it back if, if we, if we make it into the uh, playoffs. And then once he said that, you know, he, he helped me out with some things. Um, everybody on the team, obviously, you know, rallied together for me. And, you know, I think it was mainly, it mainly goes back to like how bad you want it as, as a player. You know, if if I didn't want to play, I, I probably wouldn't have made it back. But I think I had a set in stone in my head that I was going to make it back. And I think that's what, um, you know, really helped me a lot. And, you know, I had the, the right people around me, um, the right support group that, um, you know, helped for me. I obviously had family and friends praying for me and, uh, you know, just encouraging me. And also I had my teammates. I had the uh, the team, staff. And everybody, you know, just encouraging me and just asking me how I was doing all the time. Um, what also helped is I never really left. I never really left. You know, so most guys who go on IR, they, they they leave. They don't really show up around the uh, facility anymore. But I still stayed around. I stayed around, went to all the meetings um, as if I wasn't hurt. Um, stayed, did rehab there, worked out there, went to all the meetings, watched practice when I could, and, and stuff like that. And I think that's what also really helped me um, stay positive throughout my injury. It's just still being around the team, still feeling like I was a I was a part of them, even though I wasn't out there uh, contributing, playing with them. Um, I think just being around them really helped me. I think that's it. Really interesting. And because whenever I talk to guys who get hurt, they say the hardest part is I feel like I'm no longer part of the team, which is, I mean, it's not fair. It's part of the game, right? Guys get hurt. Everybody gets hurt. But you made it a point to stay there. I also want to reiterate, I mean, you were on crutches. You were in a walking boot. Then you were walking. Then you were working in a resistance pool. Then you had an anti-gravity treadmill. I mean, and you just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. Made it all the way back to the NFC Championship game. You played 33 snaps. What did it mean then to work as hard as you did to come back and then to win the Super Bowl? Can you describe the emotions of winning that game, especially given all the work that you put in? Um... It really meant a lot just because I knew um, once I, for some reason, I had a feeling that we were going to make it to the Super Bowl um, leading up to it, like throughout the season. That's the only thing we were talking about because we could see the stadium from our practice field. That's what we always talked to. It was like, yo, we could be the first team to play play in the Super Bowl. 
in our home stadium. You know, it's right there. We can see it. Super Bowl's going to be right there. And that's the only thing we talked about. And I think that's what really made it real for me. That's what really made it real. Um, just seeing, just being, still being around the team and just seeing the stadium um, and just visualizing, wow, the Super Bowl's going to be right there. It's, it's crazy. It's coming up, coming up. And the next you know, um, we guarantee our spot, the wild card, um, in the playoffs. We win our first playoff game. Um, and after that first playoff game, we go to New Orleans. And I'm at home. I'm still doing rehab. But the plan was for me to go to, uh, the plan was for me to make it back to the Super Bowl. And leading up to, leading up in the playoffs, We watched the. Um, I'm at home with uh, some of my family. We're watching the um, the Saints game, and they had beat us twice in the regular season. We're in the same division, and um, they beat us twice in the division. And we knew that was going to be our biggest uh, hurdle hurdle to 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 get over um, if we want to, you know, continue our playoff stretch. Mm. And we go to New Orleans and we win, and. Obviously, me and my family, we're watching the game. We're hype, jumping around, celebrating. And next thing you know, the thought comes in my head. I'm like, I'm playing this week. I'm playing I'm playing against, in the NFC Championship. I'm playing. I go in to the facility. I tell the trainer, I was like, it, was, it, it started off as a joke leading up to that, to that week. But I, I, uh, I, was, I was told him, I was like, I'm playing this week. I'm playing against uh, I'm playing the NFC Championship. And I was like, if I'm playing the Super Bowl, I got I got to get one game in me before the Super Bowl. I don't want to just jump into the Super Bowl without without anything. And, and that was the biggest thing. Um, leading up to the week, I came in during the off day, and they had me running. I think that was the biggest thing, really trying to get get my breath back. Um, obviously, running in the treadmill and all that uh, it helps. Everything helps get your heart rate up and, you know, doing all these different things to get your heart rate up and uh, stay, like, keep your cardio in the weight room, like, strength-wise and stuff like that. But once you get out there and you're really running, um, I think that was the hardest thing because mentally you're, you're trying to – mentally your body's trying to protect yourself, but you're also trying to push, push, push the boundaries of it and – I think that was the biggest thing because it was hard for me to really run out there, really put weight on it, um, just because my my body wasn't used to running like that after being out for so long. So um, just find those battles, and then eventually just you know doing all this extra cardio out there, and then finally getting out on the practice field. Um, everything really you know, it really helped me. Uh, mentally and physically to go out there and play in the um in the Green Bay game NFC championship and I think I don't think I was supposed to play thirty three snaps. I don't think I was supposed to play that much, but I ended up playing that much. But you did. You did. My man, I don't want to be greedy with my time with you, but I've been looking forward to this for so long. Since you're talking about running, just one last question. 
there's this great, great story. Like back when you were in college, Jimmy Lake, who was the D coordinator to Washington when you were there and is now the head coach, said that when you were with the Huskies in a game against USC in 2016, they measured you running at 20 miles per hour. Like you would drop into coverage and they had you running 20 miles per hour. Some may not know, but you actually played running back back in the day in high school. I've got to know, what were you like as a running back? Uh, in high school, I was I wasn't that I wasn't as big as I, I was now. I was a I was a little bit a little bit smaller. I wasn't I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the belly I got now. But I was I was more I played more linebacker, middle linebacker, and and running back in college. But um, it started off I, I was just messing around in practice. I didn't really you know I didn't really have any hopes of playing running back or playing any offense. Um, but I went over to the scout team and just started running the ball against the, the the starting defense, and I was actually like doing really good against them. And then it turned out uh, one game we knew it was like a third and short, and I wanted to coach. I went up to our head coach. I was like, I was like, let me run the ball, and then he gave me the ball. And I ended up scoring, and then. After that, it just went. It was easy. It just went. It was. It was. Uh, every time I went up to our, our head coach, I was like, "Let me run the ball." It just let me go, and it, it ended up escalating from there. Um, they started putting in uh, plays for me, and I started becoming a running back. And I was. I started playing both ways uh, during games, and it was actually pretty fun. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Bet I bet they had a hell of a lot of fun. I bet they had a lot of fun trying to tackle you, my man. If I were you, I don't there's anything you can't do. I think you should go to the coaches and say, "Hey, man, if you need me out there on the island, I can line up on the corner too. I can see you running <laughs> with, with some wide receivers. I, I want to see that because I know you can do that." Vita Vea, my guest, he is a Super Bowl champ. You've got the numbers. You've got the resume. Resume. My man, I'm so glad you and I got to do this today. That was an absolute blast. I appreciate you, and I really appreciate that conversation, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Good night now!